Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to Builder's Business Show. Now, I goofed it up, so I'm going to start again. Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to Business Builder's Show, where we feature champions in their respective industries from all over the planet. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actual resources that inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to talk about why you should think like a tech startup, even if you own a traditional B2B company. And Brian Clayton is going to talk us through all of that. Now, Brian is CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, which is an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber for lawn care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 200,000 active users completing thousands of transactions every single day. Now, before starting that organization, he co-founded or founded rather Peachtree Inc. and built it into one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, generating over $10 million a year. And then he successfully sold that company to Luna Holdings in 2013. So, Brian, it's fantastic to have you here to share all that story with us, sir. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the intro. You are welcome, sir. Uh, so tell us who you serve. And I know that at least it's landscape contractors and homeowners, but I'm guessing there's more into your, your uh, eco-sphere of, uh, of avatar clients and so forth. Yeah, so green, like, like you mentioned, GreenPal is kind of like the Uber for lawn mowing services. So if you're a homeowner and you need to get this chore done, rather than calling around all over Craigslist or Facebook or something, you just download GreenPal, pop your address in, you get quotes, and you can hire a lawn mowing service to come take care of your yard maintenance for you right through the app. So, but we have kind of two customers. We have homeowners that use the platform to find lawn care services. And then we have landscape contractors, lawn care services that use the platform to run their business. So we kind of have to solve problems for each at the same time. And the way we've done that is just little by little over a decade now, uh, GreenPal is a 10 year overnight success. We've little by little looked for the problems that occur for homeowners that make it difficult for them to get this chore done and then solving the problems for landscape contractors to make it easier for them to run their business on top of our platform to where it makes it easy for homeowners to hire them off the shelf. Kind of like the same way you would hire an Uber or even buy something off of Amazon, you can order a lawn mowing service right through our app. Okay, um, beautiful. And so, 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 so you had an and and I cut you off. So and? And uh, it, it's never done. It's, it's always uh, something we're making better and better and better. Uh, you're always looking for ways to make the transaction smoother, cheaper, faster, more reliable, more convenient. And, uh, and as it turns out, there's like a million things that can go wrong between, you know, you having tall grass and pushing a button and getting somebody to mow it for you. There's a million things that can go wrong. And it's our job to solve those problems uh, and, and make it easier, make it smoother, make it faster for a homeowner to do business with a contractor. And then as a contractor, make it easier for them to make more money in their business, uh, cut out time wasted on on uh, riding around uh, inefficiently or, or giving estimates inefficiently or waiting on getting paid. It's our job to make the whole thing run smoother to where it's easier for these folks to conduct business on our platform versus not. Okay. That makes great sense. Now, uh, so you've identified the problems that, that you're solving for people. Maybe, uh, Brian, what you could do, if, if you can think of a hypothetical or a real uh, a customer 
and walk us through how the whole process worked, maybe a case study. How do they find you? Uh, what do they do? Uh, how do they pick uh, ultimately the service contract they're going to use? How do people get paid? Just walk us through uh, front to back the whole service uh, that you and their green pal take care uh, take care of. Yeah. So, so as a homeowner, uh, let's say you you have a lawn mowing service, but guess what? They ghosted you, or they flaked, or they've gone out of business. There's this weird phenomenon with landscape maintenance of the case of the disappearing lawn guy. Like he did great for maybe a season or four or five mowings, and then he just dropped off the face of the earth. It happens. And so now you don't have a lawn mowing service and now your grass has grown two feet tall. And so ordinarily you would maybe ask friends or family for recommendations. You would uh, maybe do a Google search or go on Facebook or go on Craigslist. And then you would just dial for dollars. You would poll these people. You would leave voicemails. You would uh, ask for, for quotes. And then you have to wait for them to get back to you. And then if you hire one, you don't really know if they're going to show up. You don't know if you're getting the best combination of, of price and, and, and reliability in the marketplace. You're kind of acting on a leap of faith. <clears throat> and in 2022, it shouldn't be that way. It should be fast, quick, easy, just like ordering an Uber or just like ordering groceries on DoorDash. You should just be able to push a button and magic happen. And so that's what our platform does. Rather than, rather than calling around dialing for dollars, you just you, you pop your address in and then you get three, four, five quotes back in a matter of like five minutes. Uh, rather than waiting for people to get back to you or leaving voicemails or emails or text messages, all of these, these quotes come to you on your mobile app or on, on your website. And, and then you can read reviews and you can okay, hire the one. Before you go forward, so, so the mobile app is called what? GreenPal. It's, it, the mobile app is called GreenPal and the website is called GreenPal.com. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, beautiful. And available on Apple and I imagine Android as well. That's correct. And okay. so- and so now you've got all of this uh, rich data around who you can work with in your neighborhood. And, and now you don't know, have to necessarily take a leap of faith. Now you know, okay, here's five options. Here's uh, what they cost. And you can also read reviews about, about how often they show up on time, what other people have said about them, how reliable they are. And then you can also see data around how often do they get booked for a second mowing. Because that's a, that's a good indicator of uh, were people happy with them? Did they book them for more than one cut? And also, how often do they show up on the day they're supposed to? We calculate what's called a reliability rating, which is 78% of the time, uh, this guy shows up on Thursday if he's supposed to show up on Thursday. And so you can use that information to pick the contractor you want to work with. <coughs> and so now, rather than having to uh, you know, go on leap of faith, you can then hire uh, with confidence. And, and pay them right, uh, right through the app. You don't have to like wait around, give them a check or send them a Venmo or something like that. And so for a homeowner, you go from- okay, well, I'm gonna stop you for a second. Okay, so you've just introduced something I didn't know you had. So right on the app, both you and the contractor have an account with GreenPal. That's right. So then you've seamlessly uh, 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 made it uh, easy for the homeowner to pay the contractor and the writer review all on your same platform. That's right. A complete end-to-end -end solution because uh, there's no shortage of places you can go and get names and phone numbers. Uh, you know, you've got Angie's List, Thumbtack, Yelp, Facebook, Google. You can, you can get names and numbers of contractors all day long, but knowing their availability, how much it's going to cost, hiring, scheduling, and paying them, there's only one solution 
in the world, and that's Green Pal. So as a homeowner, you go from grass is three feet tall to now I have somebody hired to come mow it tomorrow for $45 in a matter of minutes rather than, rather than like days or weeks try and, and getting, you know, like ghosted again over and over again. The cycle just kind of repeats itself. So as a homeowner, it's, it's an easy way to hire somebody and get it done. On the contractor side, it's right. a complete platform for them to run their whole business. Everything from getting new customers to getting paid to marketing automation, a CRM, route optimization. Everything is all handled for them in one platform to where all they got to do is to show up and do a good job for their customers. And all the back end stuff is handled automatically on the fly. So the contractors then are subscribers or members in your, in your uh, community. That's right. Yeah. They, they pay to use the service. Uh, they okay. pay a transactional fee for all of the, the work that they do on the platform. And that's how we monetize the, 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 the but, transactions. So you actually, uh, you, you provide them the calendar so they know where to go. That's right. Uh, so if, uh, imagine if a contractor has multiple crews, then you've got, got all that capability. And as you said, you've had 10 years to refine this whole offering of yours anyway. Yeah, when it started, it was very crude. In fact, uh, we, we spent three years just focusing on the consumer side. The vendor side, we kind of hand-cranked and, and did this through spreadsheets and phone calls and voicemails. <clears throat> we made that piece easily run uh, smoothly for the, for, for the homeowners. And then after we got the homeowner side uh, kind of dialed in, we then uh, went to focus on the, the vendor side and built all the tools uh, for them to run their whole business. So it's kind of like um, we, we, we're in the SaaS business we have to build software as a service for both sides of the marketplace but then uh we we're in the marketplace business because we monetize by, by by taking a cut of all the transactions that occur on the platform excellent all right so so there is no subscription fee per se it's a it's a per use model that's right it, although it is it is recurring and predictable because all right you have to you have to pay somebody to mow your yard you know in many parts of the country year round and in most parts eight months out of the year so it's kind of a subscription in the sense of once you hire a contractor, you just set it up for the whole year and it just happens. Uh, but we don't charge a flat rate. It's just it's based on the, the, uh, the transactions that are occurring on, on your account. So uh, I'm thinking that uh, you pretty well have carved out a blue ocean for yourself because you're soup to nuts. Like, but do you have any competition at all in the, in, the, in the world? And then if you do, how do you differentiate yourself between yourself and the competition per se? Yeah, the way we look at it is you have to be the best in the world at one thing. You have to, if you're bringing a new technology to market and you're bringing a new product to market, it has to be 10 times easier than the old way of doing it. So that's the way we look at it. We focus on, on one thing, yard maintenance, and we focus on being the easiest solution for yard maintenance. Now, in terms of competition, there is competition in the sense that you can go to an Angie's List or a Yelp or a Thumbtack and you can still get names and phone numbers and you can still kind of like get on first base, but you still have to call these folks and, 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 get, uh, and get pricing and hire them manually and pay them manually. That's our biggest competition is kind of the old way of doing things. Uh, people still do this the old way. They still do it the hard way, even though there's an easier solution out there, you know, but we're, we're slowly but surely getting, chewing into that, that kind of traditional market and, and making it to where we operate and run more and more and more of the industry versus the old way. It's kind of like uh Back in 2009, if you wanted to order uh, Chinese food, you would probably call the Chinese restaurant. You wouldn't think to order from Grubhub, uh, and Grubhub was pretty much the only game in town. 
nowadays you would say, okay, am I going to use Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub, uh, maybe Instacart, um, you know, Postmates. There's like five different options. And so that's kind of where the way the, 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 the lawn maintenance industry is going. We're kind of in day one of, of bringing this online. Ten years later, you're in day one. That's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, Jeff Bezos quotes um, is that it's still day one. You know, even in, in, even in his share in his shareholder letters, you know, now, uh, I don't know if he still writes them, but for many years, it was like, it's still day one. And that's kind of how it is in the technology business. You're always making it better and better and better. Okay. Okay. I think I've got a, uh, I, I've got a good understanding. I think your, uh, your, our listeners do. And that is that there's, there's the, all these thousands, hundreds of thousands of homeowners that have yards to get maintained. There's hundreds of thousands of landscape contractors who are in business, but are not really business people. So you've created a business in a box for all the landscape contractors and you've created a soup to nuts solution for all the homeowners and covered the whole waterfront. You've pretty well eliminated competition because of one, your, uh, your, uh, your unique pro- proposition. And then second, I think your attitude of I'm still in day one and we're getting better. We'll be better tomorrow than we are today. That's fantastic. So Brian, what I'd like to do is kind of switch things up now. And, uh, I'd like we'd like to I'd like you to share with our business owners a couple of things. One, you know, why the title of the podcast is, is why should you think like a tech startup? How you went about building both a traditional B two B landscaping company, and then what in the world caused you to make the switch after you had this big pile of cash back in two thousand thirteen. Walk us through some of the milestones in either one of those or both of those journeys. And then with your permission, I'll ask some uh, deep dive questions along the way. Yeah. So my, my first business was a landscaping company. I started mowing grass in high school as a way to make extra cash and stuck with this little lawn mowing business I had uh, all through high school, all through college. And over a 15-year period of time, built up one of the larger landscaping companies in the, in the south, southeastern United States, uh, eventually getting that business over 150 employees, got it over 10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, it was acquired by a national company. So growing that traditional, it was a B2B business ultimately, because we sold to other commercial clients, yep. Gr- growing that uh, business in a blue collar sense uh, taught me a lot about, you know, how the industry worked and, and how to scale a company to eight figures. And so when I sold it, I thought I knew everything there was to know about business. And, uh, and so the idea for GreenPal came to me. I thought, well, somebody's going to build an app to make this whole industry run uh, smooth. Because somebody's going to build like an Uber for this industry. And why not be me? You know, I, I know everything there is to know about the industry. Why can't I do it? And it was kind of like uh, naivete as an asset. I didn't realize how challenging it was going to be. I thought the software business was actually an easier business turns out it's 10 times more difficult. Uh, and, and I didn't know that, which is good because if I'd known how hard it was going to be, I never would have done it. And so I, uh, I got in the game and, and recruited two co-founders and we started working on the first version. And the first three, four years were really, really challenging getting people to use it and figuring out all the bugs and working out all the kinks and making it better and making it like good enough. And then, uh, then after about year four, we started scaling it out into every city in the United States. Now it's nationwide in the United States, no matter, no matter what city you live in. If you got over 15, 20,000 people, you can, you can download our app and hire a lawn mowing service. So, you're and saying so it was very any city, any city in the country 
that has 15,000 population in your community, yep. they can use your app. Okay, beautiful. That's right. Yeah, we've got liquidity in, in, in every city and town. Uh, and it took us a decade to build that. But but in the first three, four years, it was one city. It was Nashville, Tennessee, where, where we live. And we spent a long time just in one town getting the experience right, uh, making sure that contractors love to use it. They, they were making more money uh, by using our app than they could uh, in, the, in the analog traditional sense. Because if they didn't love it, we didn't really have a product for homeowners. And then, and then also making sure homeowners loved it. And so making sure everybody was happier using the app than, than, than not. And then once we figured that out, then we started to scale in the other cities in the United States. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I didn't know building a tech company that I had to learn uh, as, as we built this thing from scratch. And, and as I was building it, I was like, damn, if I just knew this stuff, you know, in my former life, I would have made so much more money and with less headache and less, tra and less, and less hassle and had better customers and happier employees and so on. And, and so one thing that's kind of become evident to me building a tech company was, is that uh, people in a traditional blue collar business or, or traditional business should start thinking like tech startups because eventually every business will be a tech business. And, and you have to start thinking like a tech business now, if, if you want to, if you want to prosper and not be left behind and, and, and maybe even get left behind and go out of business. So that's one thing that I like to talk about is, is, uh, how traditional business can think like tech, tech, tech businesses and, and maybe even rebuild their business from the inside out as a tech startup. So you mentioned a couple of co-founders. <clears throat> so, uh, who are they, what sort of skills did they bring to the equation, uh, and uh, have you added any more key people since then? So co-founders, any other key people since in the last 10 years? Yeah, so uh, team is now 47 people, uh, but we have, I have two co-founders. In the early days, you know, we went three or four years before hiring our first employees. So it was just me and two other guys just, just, just hacking away on this thing. And when you're starting a tech company, ideally you get uh, a hacker and a hustler. So what I mean by that is uh, somebody who's like a hustler, maybe is just who's just uh, sales minded, who's good at driving the business forward, who's who's just somebody who gets out of bed every day and just wants to increase sales and get more customers. And you also have a hacker, and what I mean by that is somebody that is just good technically that they that they understand the nuts and bolts of of building a tech product from scratch. And maybe they've built some websites, maybe they've they've tinkered on some apps and stuff like that. And you bring those two people together. And, Hopefully they're, they're a match made in heaven and they, they're just off to the races. Problem was I didn't have any, I didn't know any hackers. Uh, they're hard to find. Uh, and in Nashville, Tennessee, we're not necessarily known for bringing a lot of consumer products, a lot of consumer tech products to market. In fact, I don't think we have one big success in the city. Um, other than, than maybe our, 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 our brand is probably the only nationwide uh, consumer mobile app to come out of Nashville, Tennessee. So we kind of had like it, you know, invented as we, as we went along, there wasn't this community of, of hackers. Right. And so, well, I had three hustlers. I had three people that, that had uh, a chip on their shoulder that, that wanted to, to be build something big, wanted to create a breakout, wanted to, to do something with their life. Um, the problem was none of us knew how to code. And so we had to like learn how to build software as we built as we built the app, uh, we had to learn how to, how to write code. We had to learn how to design the app. We had to learn, and we, we, we did everything we could to learn this stuff. We went to online classes. My, my co-founder went to a, a software development boot camp. 
And over like two years, we went from just blue collar entrepreneurs to tech entrepreneurs learning how to build software along the way, learning the processes of bringing a new piece of software to market. And it, and it was challenging because you were doing three things at once. You're working in the business. You're trying to make sure the trains run on time. You're working on the business. You're, you're developing systems, processes, marketing strategy, product strategy. And then you're doing a third thing. You're working on yourself. You're reading blog posts, reading books, taking online classes, going to YouTube university, acquiring skills that you need to do the first two things. And so it's very much like a six, seven day a week thing. It was for us for the first several years. I bet. So uh, what, what would you consider the, the three major milestones uh, uh, in addition, in addition to actually the idea of starting the business? Yeah. In, in the early days, it's, it's important to celebrate the small wins. Okay. So, you know, you're, you're, you're searching, if you're bringing a new technology product to, to market, you're inventing something brand new from scratch. And so you, you, you very much have to like, uh, almost like in, in like Tom Hanks in the movie Castaway, where he's trying to make that fire with a stick and like a little bit of moss, like that's you, you you're just looking for a spark. You're looking for like something that works at a very small level, whatever the the atomic unit is. And so for us, like a, a major milestone was, was the ability to do 100 transactions in one week. Uh, and meaning like a hundred consumers used the product and hired, you know, uh, maybe 20 or 30 different contractors and in a hundred successes in a week. And it took us two years to get that. Now we do like, now we do like 20,000 plus uh, a week. But, uh, but back then, if we could just get a hundred, was a big milestone for us. And it took us a long time to do that. And that could be good. But I knew if we could get a hundred, we can get a thousand. And I knew if we can get a thousand, we can get 10. And I knew if we get 10, we can get a hundred thousand in a week. So it was, it was very much just like a milestone based uh, system and getting to what they call product market fit, meaning this product is in the marketplace. People like to use it. And then once they use it, they continue to use it. And for us, a hundred was a big milestone. Um, and so that was, that was one of the first major ones. And then, um, another major milestone was the ability to, to get multiple markets going at the same time. Um, you know, our second market was Atlanta, Georgia. Third was Tampa, Florida. And the ability to take it just from Nashville, Tennessee, and put it in other cities. So was it uh, did you have any uh, strategy behind those city selections? Or is that where your cousin Harriet lived? Or what was the reason? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't terribly scientific. Uh, uh, so... Atlanta, Georgia, uh, was selected because it was close to us. We could drive down there three hours and it was a big city. And then Tampa, Florida was selected because I had a buddy that lived there and I could sleep on his couch. And, and okay. so this was, okay. this was, these are the main drivers for, uh, for, for what some markets we selected. After that, we got those three markets stood up. We then used a little bit of data and a little bit of uh, methodology of what we selected uh, at the cities. It was basically based on pent up demand. We would have we would have people in Seattle, Washington signing up, but we didn't have contractors there. And so we would look at, okay, we've got more traction for some reason in this town. Let's launch it next. And uh, and that's how we chose cities beyond the first three. And I think a lot of that's how a lot of uh, you know the early days of of starting a business are is you're very much uh, going with your gut, uh, you're shooting from the hip. Um, but the important thing is you're taking action. You don't, you don't get this analysis uh, paralysis where you, you just don't do anything for six months and you do a bunch of six months of planning. And when in fact, you really should have done like six hours of planning, get something in the hands of customers, learn, iterate and, and move on. 
So, uh, and so that's always been our methodology is to have a, a bias towards action. Uh, just, just get it into the market, iterate, learn, figure out what we did wrong. Rinse and repeat is, is how we've, you know, built this thing over the last 10 years. So, um, I, 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 uh, I'm curious about your next major hire. So tell me about your, your one or two of your key hires in addition to the three of you. Who, would, who was that? What did you hire them for? How did it work out? Yeah, so one of my favorite books is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber about business. And one of the things he talks about in, in that business is going through the, the exercise of creating an org chart for your business day one. And a lot of times, you know, it's like, well, it's just me. I don't need an org chart. Well, you know, you really want to build this thing on, on, on a solid, solid foundation. And so it's like, there's head of HR, there's head of marketing, there's, there's head of customer service, there's head of R and D there's the person that sweeps the, the floor. There's the person that answers the phone. There's the person, you know, and it's your name on all of these roles. And as time goes on, as you work your way through levels of the game, you then peel your name off these roles. You assign goals to them and you put other names on the roles. And so as simple as that sounds, that's, that's how we've built out a team now of 47 people. And so as, as time goes on, like my name is still on like a dozen different roles and I'm looking for ways to peel my name off them and assign them to either freelancers, contractors, or employees that are just flat out better at it than I am. And so there's always been uh, like levels up uh, of the game where I'm able to peel my name off of a role, put somebody else in there who's better at it than me. And, and, and major inflection points that, that stand out is, is when we hired a, a uh, not a CMO, because that was too general for what we needed, but we needed like a CMO of, of inbound traffic, like SEO and how to generate organic traffic to the website. It was a key pivotal moment for us because it was probably year five I was doing that job. I was head of SEO and, and I was doing the best I could, but I didn't have 20 years of experience in it. And I didn't, I didn't have also, I didn't have 60 hours a week to dedicate at it. I had like six hours a week. And so once we were able to put somebody in that role, it took us from like 20,000 visitors a month to 300,000 visitors a month and, and uh, over like a two year period of time. And so that was a key like inflection point where I was able to put somebody who was flat out better at a role than I was. Uh, I had taken it as far as I could. Um, and then put somebody in there to succeed. Now you might say, well, yeah, okay. You should have done that day one. Well, the reality is you kind of have to do some of these things yourself for a while. Then you know how to delegate, you know, what success looks like, you know, what a, what a, what a, a player looks like because you've done it versus if you've never done it, then you don't know who to hire. And so I made that mistake before too, where I didn't know how to do something and I tried to delegate it too quickly. And that was a, that was a recipe for disaster. So talking about delegating too quickly and a disaster. So what was your biggest mistake over the last 10 years and uh, what'd you learn from it? Oh, you know, that's what business is. It's just going from like one, one failure to the next without like a loss of enthusiasm. And, and so, and so I don't, you know, I, I try to celebrate what I've learned from mistakes that I made, but sometimes, you know, big mistakes, you can run the, the risk of ruin. And uh, those are the ones that stand out where you almost like uh, wrecked the ship. And, and for me, uh, running my first business <coughs> payroll was like 150 grand a week. And, uh, and it, we went through the 2008, uh, financial crisis and oh, you right. know, w- woke up one morning and there was $17,000 in the company checking account and payroll was due. So we couldn't make payroll. 
that's a big, big, big screw up. Uh, if, if you're a founder, you know, if you, if you're a business owner, so that was one that stands out, you know, mistakes that I made where I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, uh, make the business more efficient quick enough. I didn't recognize that, that, that musical chairs, uh, analogy, like the music had stopped. Uh, I, and I didn't really want to like fess up to that. Didn't want to make the hard cuts. Um, there's a favorite quote of mine uh, from a book I read on management by a guy named Ben Horowitz. He says, if you're, if you're going to eat crap, don't nibble. And so a lot of times, and we're, we may be going through that right now, uh, there, we, we could, there could be a recession coming. So like, if you're, if you're going to have to make cuts, you're going to have to like reinvent the business. Don't nibble, like, like do it quickly. And that was a mistake I made. I didn't, I didn't do that quick enough. And it almost cost me the business because, because we were almost insolvent. And so that was a big one. Uh, made several mistakes with Green Powell. Uh, one was uh, not listening to customers soon enough and just like going on my own, uh, uh, I guess you could say, uh, my, my own assumptions in terms of how we built the product when, in fact, I should have let the let customers drive our decision making. We were able to quickly correct that in the first year, uh, but but that was a mistake that I made. Um, another mistake that we made is we tried to delegate uh, engineering too quickly. We didn't really have that in our, in our core competencies in terms of writing software and building software and designing software. And we tried to delegate that too soon. And then we just kept building crappy product, uh, delivering uh, no innovation to the market. And we had to like take a step back, learn these skills. Then we could build out a team around us. So you're always making mistakes is, is, is the key is just don't run that risk of ruin and learn and then, and then, and then move forward. So what's your, what's your big, uh, what's, what's holding your back right now? So 2022, middle of 2022, what's the big obstacle you see uh, in front of you? For us, it's, it is, uh, we, we, when you build a tech product that you have this, uh, uh, there, there, there's like an inherent kind of bias towards a strategy of raising a bunch of money and then putting that money to work and blowing up very quickly. We decided to go the opposite route. We have self-funded the business, and 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 to and I believe that's the reason why we're here a decade later. There, there's been a lot of Uber for X ideas that have crashed and burned, like Uber for laundry service, Uber for home cleaning. All of these things have like come and gone because they raised a bunch of money and and tried to move too quickly. And uh, and so for us, uh, 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 the biggest obstacle has always been awareness around the product. Uh, you know, Green Pal is not a household name yet. It's not in the same conversation as an Instacart or an Uber or an Airbnb or a DoorDash. And while all of those companies have raised something like $100 billion in venture capital between all of them, uh, and, and they use that to buy a uh, mind share, we haven't gone that strategy. So that, so that, that has been a, a, that's a, always been a challenge for us and still is to this day. You know, we're doing $30 million a year in revenue. We, need, we want to do $100 million a year in revenue. So how do we get to nine figures without a uh, $50 million ad budget? is tough. And so uh, funding the business off of its own revenues is, is great uh, because now if we do go into a recession, we're not going to go out of business. We're default alive. But the cost of that is sometimes when you want to move quicker, it's, 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 it's challenging. So that's our biggest challenge and it has been since day one. So we got a lot of listeners here, Brian. We've got uh, obviously homeowners <laughs> are list, uh, listening to us. We've got potential contractors listening to us. Uh, uh, software engineers listening, all those people, how would they go about contacting you? Yeah, anybody wants to try the app out, just download uh, GreenPal in the App Store or Play Store. Anybody wants to hit me up 
Instagram is the best place to reach me. You can just go to Brian M. Clayton uh, on, on Instagram and just drop me a DM there. Beautiful. Thank you for that. So, uh, Brian, what's the question that you were wondering if I would be asking, and I didn't, uh, so what question should I or might have I asked you? And then what's the answer to that question? Um, well, first off, uh, you asked some really good questions. So I appreciate that. Uh, one You're thing, um, maybe uh, if I'm running a traditional uh, style business, how do I think like a tech startup more? And um, it might be always to like just pick one part of the business and try to figure out a way to use technology to make it run smoother. And it could be anything. Maybe, maybe like, you know, a big challenge you face in business right now is employee turnover. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big challenge that a lot of businesses face. And so it's like, okay, I got this employee. By, by the time I train somebody, they're gone. And so, uh, you know, you look at McDonald's. McDonald's is built on turnover. Well, how do they do it? Well, they have like the best training program to get people from like up to snuff on how to work their systems. And so maybe you just spend six months and you create the best university for bringing somebody up to speed on, on whatever it is you're doing, you know, whether it be through videos, tutorials, walkthroughs. And guess what? Nowadays, there are fantastic online training platforms to where you can probably train somebody in, in a week rather than six months uh, by creating the best university for whatever it is. And uh, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, a lot of this stuff was still ad hoc. It was still very much like job shadowing. And just trial and error and, and banging your head against the wall. Now you can spend a long time and create the best uh, self-serve training system for somebody to get up snuff, snuff in your business. So that's just one example of thinking like a tech startup, using technology to, 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 to solve a problem in your business. And if you do that over and over and over again, rather than just beating your head against the wall, you know, you can create a, a durable business that maybe your competitors aren't doing and maybe you can create a better business than they are. So that, that would be uh, one thing that, that, that I would try to like challenge business owners to do is to try to think about how can I use technology to solve this problem and then go do it. I like that. I like that. Uh, I, like that. I love the question. And I like the fact that you said, hey, pick one thing. One thing. Systematize that. Use technology. There's existing technology for us. Everything, every problem you have. Yep. And then once that's in, the, in if, if we're in your bag of tricks, move to the next and the next. That's right. Beautiful. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming is the problem. It's like, well, where do I even start? It doesn't almost doesn't matter. It's just pick one pick triage to like the one thing that's like on pissing you off today. Solve that and then move on. Uh, do something. Use technology to do it. Okay, Mr. Clayton, thank you very much for sharing your beautiful wisdom. Uh, great stories. Uh, unique story. Thank you all for that. And thanks for the great uh teaching that you gave for our business owner listeners as well so thanks once again brian thanks bill thanks for having me on so in closing let's focus on a single fact and that is that our businesses do not become extraordinary in a single moment instead they get there as a result of the owner first learning and then applying a proven combination of having the right mindset of understanding and dedicating and using a system of management and number three, leveraging high-performance teams. So thanks for listening. Brian, once again, thanks for spending your beautiful time with us today. Thanks, Bill.